This episode is sponsored by Marquette Associates. Marquette is an independent investment consulting firm that was founded in 1986 and has served the same mission ever since, to be a trusted partner to their clients and provide meaningful and thoughtful investment guidance. They've worked with dozens of public organizations in Illinois, and as of December 31st, 2020, that includes 20 firefighter funds across the state, as well as the new Consolidated Firefighters Pension Investment Fund. Marquette is headquartered in Chicago, and we're grateful for their support of the podcast. You can learn more about Marquette on their website at marquetteassociates.com. This is not an endorsement of Marquette's services. Everybody and welcome to yet another episode of the Associated Firefighters of Illinois podcast coming to you live from the greatest city in the world besides Berwyn, Chicago, Illinois. And we are here at Fire and Iron Media, home of Chicago's Bravest uh, podcast and also home to the Associated Firefighters of Illinois uh, podcast. And I can think I could say home because we're on episode 16 and so this is becoming more like a like a long term like people are like listening a little bit, right? It's, it's, Luke slash Timothy, my ever loyal compadre. It's a real thing. It's it's a, it's a real sixteen th- makes it real. You can drive at sixteen, so like that's right. Sixteen makes a lot of sense, right? Yep, sixteen candles is a great eighties movie set in the city, so we got that going for us. But yeah, this Molly is Ring. What's it was Molly it? Ringwald. 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 Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you guys want to like maybe at the end of the podcast we'll we'll Take a moment, and then we'll all come out with our favorite '80s movies. Okay. Do you want to think about that? All right, all right, okay. Right? So, and we are also here with Chuck Sullivan, living legend. And, Good day. Uh, Good day. Absolutely awesome. And we thought that we were just going to use this opportunity. It's a couple of days before Thanksgiving. So, first of all, before we forget, from the three of us, happy Thanksgiving to all of you and your families. Or this will be post Thanksgiving or whatever. And um, hopefully they had a good Thanksgiving. Hopefully they had a good Thanksgiving. And you are thankful for something. You're thankful for something and everybody rides backwards and is super safe and healthy and happy and eats a lot of turkey and uh, the tryptophan hits. So there you go. Um, And hopefully the Bears won, but Mm. probably not. They they better win that one. It's It's just not. It's Detroit. Come it, on. it is. It is really bad. Did you see? So, for anybody listening right now, you you will we'll see what happens. But there was the reports that Nagy was going to be fired, yep. and then he had a press conference. He's not going to be fired. I'm thinking he's going to be fired, but time will tell. So, a little bit of a of a portal. Speaking of, um, we've recovered from our Bears game hangover. Bears. So that was awesome. We saw. We all went and saw the Bears 49ers play. That was a good day. Phenomenal. That was a good day. They so, lost. They lost, but it was a tired Monday. But it that's was. okay. It was a good a good time. Nagy, good by all. Nagy should have got fired then. <laughs> Nagy should have gotten fired. Maybe maybe our podcast can go into sports. Next. We should do that. Like, we'll just be like legit three guys that have no idea what they're talking yeah. about talking about sports because we've never seen that before in sports radio. All right. So, actually, Chuck. Dropped a good one on me earlier today on the uh, ratio for Catholic schools in the IHSA ratings oh, yeah, for football. Multiplied. The What's multiplier. That? What's the deal? Tell me this. Tell if me you the story. are a private school, your 
each pupil, if you will. Okay. Pupil? Student? Pupil. Yeah. They yeah. still call them pupils? I, I, Irrelevant. <laughs> Whatever. You have nice eyes, though. You are multiplied 1.67. So if your population of your private high school, whether it's some religious school or a laboratory school, right? each of your students is equals 1.67 as opposed to one in the public school. So for purposes of what? For like class, class. sports. For oh, sports. really? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for example, Luke's uh, son plays for Sycamore. Okay. A public school. Mm-hmm. And they played Fenwick. Fenwick. My like, alma mater, class in 95. Is that where you no went? No way. Fenwick I, I, oh, and I, my oh, I didn't get thrown out. I didn't get thrown out of Fenwick High School. Okay, well. I, I'm still shocked. I'm you're 34. A, you're a perfect example. Let's just say Luke I am a went perfect to example. Sycamore, <laughs> and you did go to Fenwick. To Fenwick. I do have a mind of an 18-year-old. You so are equal good. to 1.67. In just body mass or just <laughs> Luke's? You are 1.67. So I'm 1.67. So is that like how they fill, figure out like your 1A, 5A or something like that? Football. So right. why, what is the purpose of that? Why would... Is that why would Fenwick always punch above its it, weight in that category? Quote unquote equals the playing field because according to Luke, Catholic schools cheat. By oh, re- by recruiting. Okay, they can recruit. They can recruit. You, yeah, you don't have to live within the boundaries. So, oh right. So, for example, uh, my son's team they lost in the uh, semifinals for uh, football last weekend. Because they cheated? to Fenwick to Fenwick. Uh, no, I wouldn't say they cheat. They just have an advantage where they can recruit players in, and uh, they had five or six Division One players right. on their team, like okay. prospects. You know where Jerry you know, was one too. <laughs> Jerry no. played football too. Now no. we're gonna learn a lot about Jerry. I would today. leave high school as fast as possible or go hang in some bars on Roosevelt and Laramie. That's what. That's what <laughs> I would do. <laughs> I didn't know you went to Fenwick. I went to Fenwick. I'll be go to hell. Yeah, I. Um, as you can see, the 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 Catholic education really rubbed off on me in the terms of my morals and the way I live my life. So that's that's, good. that's really good. So what class were you? Ninety five. Ninety five. So right before then, they were they had just switched over to allowing coed. Right. No, funny story. Class of ninety five is the last class of all males at Fenwick High School. I was the last one, so that was it, and. Uh, you know, I, I really, so the, my, my freshman year was all males and then sophomore, junior, senior year, it got just incrementally better every time. Cause they allowed the young Catholic ladies to come in who were really just, you know, way more mature than we were and, and helped show us the way in terms of the proper way to live and life in general. So there you go. You were socialized. <laughs> we were socialized. <laughs> All right, so that's a whole story. I mean, for everybody out there listening, this was that was a big deal. I like, think they they probably learned a lot. There. They they learned a lot. I, I learned that from Chuck earlier because we, we were talking My about those classes, yeah. and I think in almost every class except for one A, there is at least one or two mm-hmm. private schools in the semifinals for football. No kidding. So they obviously, you know, they're good. You know, and and even the game. Uh, my son's team played in it was a good it was a competitive game and yeah. so obviously the multiplier works here's so. a horrifying fact about high school when i was in when i played at, uh, where i was at fenwick i would play um uh water polo in the other seasons so if you can picture me in a speedo really playing water polo and do you have like i a think there are photos cap? yeah a like swim, a skull cap, cap with me like my fat ass in a speedo 
playing water polo. Come on. Yeah, it was the best. It's awesome. Yeah, I don't know if I did it more as a fashion statement or because I really liked water polo. <laughs> <laughs> <Not> really. <laughs> uh, okay. You know what? We probably lost a lot of listeners, <laughs> listeners now. Uh, How many people do uh, you think are going to go Janice after this episode, right? Like these guys? No, they're going right? to go Google <laughs> Marzullo water Speedo. polo Fenwick. Speedo. Is there a way after this episode, like within 72 hours, that I can see how many Google hits there are for Marzullo Speedo? There's got to be. <laughs> Thousands. Uh, I think before, before, before we be get in, one. delve into the AFFI, there is a fourth person in the room. Where there is a fourth person in the room, just so you know, because we're at episode 16. Could you introduce yourself for the record, man of sound engineer? Uh, first and last name for the record. My real name? Yeah. No, well, no. <laughs> this your, well, yeah. let's just talk about it. We have a stage name here. This sound engineer is really amazing. She, she makes us look good. She works really hard. And she goes by the name DJ Silent Hype. And Chuck, I think that you want to, like, how would you introduce that on stage? You did it. DJ Silent Hype. That, that's legit. Yeah. So if you need a DJ. If you need a DJ. In the Chicagoland area. Instagram, Facebook, where all your social media is found that escapes me because I'm old because I went to high school in 1995. <laughs> But DJ Silent Hype, everybody, and she is straight up legit, and you should find her online. In fact, she's leaving here, going to do a gig. Going to doing a gig, yeah. yeah. And then also, I think, I'm sure, you know, weddings, bar mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, you know, whatever you need. <laughs> DJ Silent Hype is there, right? Okay. This episode is going nowhere right now. <laughs> do you realize <laughs> that? It's going nowhere fast. <laughs> Uh, That's why it's a potpourri. It's yes. a, it is a bonanza. It's a potpourri episode. All right. So really quickly, we do have some actual legitimate things to talk about. Um, Luke slash Timothy, what events are upcoming for the Associated Firefighters of Illinois that our friends and family should be aware of? Yeah. So to kind of put the planning out there for early next year, I'm going to include some IFF events in there. IFF alts. Oh. in early January. The where's Alts? It's in Orlando. Okay. At uh, Disney. It's a small world. And then in late February, the AFFI will be hosting a bargaining and stewards seminar. I haven't nailed down the date. I'm going to work on oh, that I've, actually yes. yeah, I've heard about next that. week. Okay. So, so wait, so that's going to be just be nuts and bolts of collective bargaining for your executive board? Yeah, and then we're going to run simultaneously with a, a stewards training. Cool. Uh, something the stewards training is something a lot of people have been asking for. Local two used to host one, but the last time they did that was in 2014. So we want to make sure that training's out there. And then the bargaining stuff, we did that in 2018, going into 2019, and it's it's always good to rehash that uh, part okay. of it. And we've had a lot of requests for that stuff, so we're going to roll those out. The IFF Legislative Conference is March 4th through 9th in Washington D.C. I'm sorry, the IFF one. The IFF right one. And then the AFFI Legislative Conference is March 22nd through 25th. Okay. And then the AFFI Convention's June 23rd through 25th. Seem about right, I think. Mm -hmm. And then the IFF Convention's August 8th through 12th. God, so we're back, be, we're back to convention already. Yeah. Wow. Time flies in COVID years. That's crazy. And then you said the IFF one is in August. Yep. And that's in Canada. Which, where in Canada? Ottawa? Yeah. Ottawa. It's a great time. So. Never been. Have you, to I've Ottawa been or Toronto. Canada? I've only been to Toronto. You've been to Toronto? Toronto's just like a cleaner version of Chicago. It's just, it's just a wonderful city. 
So Canada in its of itself, I've been to Vancouver, Edmonton. I drink so much beer in Edmonton. I've never been around people that drink beer like that in really? Edmonton. Oh my! It was, it's like they put it in their breakfast cereal, man. That was pretty impressive. So there you go. Um, oh, and how? By the way, how I, since the last time we've had an opportunity to speak on these events, I think there was the new member event that took place back in yeah September. So we we had a really busy fall. Uh, for the FFI as it went, and I'd like to you know thank everybody that helped make made all the events successful. We had our first ever new member conference. How'd that go? It went real well. We had 180 some new members from around the state. That was in Bloomington, normal, and uh, we had a couple days of you know giving basics of the union, what they're a part of. The big part was the labor history, talking about all the strikes and the, and the history of why they're at where they are today. So let me, I'm sorry, so like a lot of, there was like a lot of new faces and it's good. I mean, we, there are some really diehard, wonderful AFFI people over the years and you, they make all these events and that's what makes AFFI turn and what it is, but it's nice to see new, this was like all new. Yeah, all brand new union members. Uh, we were, we were going up to five years on the job and, and our hope is to expose them to what we're doing and, and long-term involvement. In That's their cool. union, in their local. So, yeah, really proud of that event. Uh, we had been talking about it for a while, and I think it went really well. And then we ran a new officer class. for So uh, per convention resolution, we're, every year we're to provide uh, training for our local executive boards. And I, I believe it was like 60 to 80 executive board officers change out every year across all our 227 locals across okay. the state. Um there were 224 with like three affiliated. 220, 221, whatever it takes. It's close, you know. But um, yeah, so with all those changeovers, we wanted to provide our, you know, local leadership education. So we ran that in early October in Springfield. Uh, we had about 90 members there at that. Okay. Um, so we did secretary treasurer training and then president, vice president training. Ran that in a day. And then at the end of October, we ran our pension, pension seminar. seminar. Uh, thank Which you was, to you for showing up. To yeah, assist. that was good. And we ran about 180, 90, roughly. And we actually did that event as a split event, uh, both virtual and in person. Okay. Uh, we had a lot of requests after running it virtual the year prior, having you know more engagement from you know our pension boards across the state and. It uh, was did the, did the online hybrid option increase like were more people interested in that? So this year was a little down. Um, last year when we did it all virtual, we had two seventy five on there. Oh my god! So we had a lot more, but um, it, it was good to get the stuff back in person and be around people and and uh, you know to work with everybody again because it's you know it's been a long couple of years. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so we had a, we've had a great fall. And we're actually running right now a virtual class with Sean Gillis uh, on CPI. That is a hot topic, right? And uh, CPI for our members is? Consumer Price Index. Oops. And it is very high right now. And it was, what, C what 6% like at the yeah. end of October? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of questions on that, how that intersects with bargaining. Sure. And should it be a discussion point? Uh, in fact, you know, there are some contracts that say, you know, if you have a wage reopener, it's going to be based off of the CPI. Yes. Employers so, loved historically low 20-year inflationary rates. Yes. Uh, so, not so much anymore. Yeah. So that that's, uh, we have two more episodes of that uh, coming up here in December. Um, and that's a virtual option. 
dates escape me. I think it's the 9th and 15th. Cool. Um, so those are out there as well. But, uh, yeah, we've had a real busy uh, fall coming into the holidays here and then looking to get right back at it after the beginning of the year. So Okay. All right. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about and ask Chuck as a member of the IFPIF um, uh, what's going on with that? But I, I think really quickly before we get, and we laugh and joke around because that is the purpose of this. Uh, you know, we try to be educational and entertaining. Uh, but we just want to reiterate in light of current events and where we're at today and in light of what the two of you had uh, did before this, that if you are on the job or you're, you're the family member, or you can see a family member going through something or some sort of issues, you're on the job and you're going through some sort of issues, um, that there are resources that are there. And so not to get serious for a second, but you know, we, we wanted to talk about this before sure. we hit record. And um, it is uh, heartbreaking when you lose someone um, who, who makes a decision, um, you know, based on what they're going through at the time. And, and so if you are feeling uh, despair, um, you know, if the job's getting to you, family life is getting to you, personal issues, financial issues, um, I think we'd all like to stop uh, permanent solutions to temporary problems. And we would um, ask that you please reach out to anybody, um, uh, union executive board members, fire chiefs, uh, the internet, Illinois firefighter peer support, please reach out um, and, and get some help. So um, I think I speak for all three of us with that. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for saying that, Jerry. As you just mentioned, Luke and I just came <laughs> from a uh, funeral of an active member um, in the north part of the state that uh, uh, took his own life. And, I mean, that's no secret. And um, as Jerry said, there's a ton of resources. Uh, contact your union president if you don't know where to go. And uh, we have, you know, Matt Olson is our, our guy at the yeah. FFI. Uh, the IFF has a behavioral center of excellence that uh, provides great treatment. Um, but, yeah, please just talk to someone. If you're not comfortable with the union president, tell your best friend. Right, anybody. Yeah. You know, there's peer supporters Correct. all over the state. It doesn't really matter. Just walk into somebody that you trust because uh, it's only a Google search away to get some pretty serious help pretty quickly. All right, those systems are designed to do that. So with that being said, uh, the wonderful world of IFPIF and the mm -hmm. Consolidated for Investment Purposes Firefighters Pension Fund. So what's going on with IFPIF? Tell us the update. So we have, when I say we... The royal um, we, the the uh, the four employees, five employees at IFPIF have been working literally around the clock. Uh, right now is probably the most pivotal time in that we're actually transitioning assets from our 296 different uh, fire funds into uh, one big fund uh, for investment purposes only. Can you, I'm sorry, what is the update? I, is, I know, so there's the, there was the October tranche and the November tranche. Mm -hmm. So is that about half the funds that came over? It is. We have about just over $2 billion. Two um, billion dollars. We expect dollars. the total to be about six and a half to $7 billion. Wow. Yeah. So um, that is going pretty smoothly. I haven't heard of any issues with any of my pension board clients. Right, I, yeah, I mean, so you represent a, a number of a them. A number of them. And um, yeah, I know IFPIF is very thankful for you um, for making it as smooth as it possibly can be. You try. Um, obviously, you know, we're still building this from the ground up, but uh, credit to our executive director, Bill Atwood, 
Uh, I joke, you know, the over-under um, for me and him talking a week is 11, and it's always over. Right. And we have, you know, we're on. Steve Zahn's been in, great. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about this is the 16th episode. Bill and I are keeping track. We have a Sunday call literally every Sunday since February of 2020. And so we're up to 81 Sundays in a row. Man. We moved Christmas Sunday to, to Monday. <laughs> So it's going to hang out your pancakes yeah, together. Yeah, you talk it's, about it's good. But as far as the transition, yeah, if anybody on the pension boards um, have any questions whatsoever, you can start with info at ifpif.com. Yes. Um, or I'm, email Robina Amato Robina, and just bother her all Robina. day long. That would make me personally that happy. That would be fabulous. <laughs> Appropriate. Yes. yes. I've texted Bill while we're talking to see if there was any update on the uh, litigation, but he has not gotten back to me yet. So the update that I'm aware of for the litigation, so everybody knows, and then Chuck, we'll just talk about it generally because things can change. So the, 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 you know, that you got the plaintiff pension funds who were dismissed from the suits. So you have the individual retirees and active members, uh, just procedurally, just so everybody understands. I, I, I think there was some hope that the judge would rule on this in November uh, so we'll see, uh, his honor can, is, you know, has reasons for whatever, for what he's doing. That's what judges do. Uh, so when the judge makes that decision on the remainder of the plaintiff's claims, uh, if it's found constitutional, then, um, it goes to the, uh, appellate court, then the Supreme court, if it's found unconstitutional, it goes directly to the Supreme court. Uh, so I think, uh, everybody is eager for it to move on and get some finality to this. Yeah, and just to put a finer point on that, regardless of what happens, and it's in Kane County right now, whatever right. happens, if by chance, if Piff loses, um, it's going to end up in the Supreme, Supreme Court, Court yes. and vice versa. Yes. Yeah, a I different mean, channel. But it's a pretty important constitutional yeah. question regarding yeah. whether or not Article 13, Section 5 extends to those type of benefits. Uh, so... Uh, you know, hopefully there, I, I think, would you say that overall the long-term goal is to have some finality by, I, th I thought the timeline was hopefully end of February or March or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And by law, I mean, everything has to be transferred barring a, you know, a Supreme Court decision by the end of June. June 30th at 11.59 p.m. Yes. Precisely that. Precisely that hour. That. Yes. Right. You and Bill Atwood, you're going to have your party favors on, your little hats, little party. It'll be good. So I agree. Um, there is, for those of you that are on your pension boards that were not in the October and November tranches, I did. I'm not that smart. I learned what a tranche is in, the, in this process. Uh, but a tranche is just a fancy, fancy way of saying what bucket you're in to turn the money over. Um, there's a December tranche. January tranche and I think a February of 22 tranche, correct? Correct. Yes. And then at that point, ideally, everybody will be moved over. Is it tranche? I was going to tranche, but he's from Fenwick. Yeah, so. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I figure your preparatory education was better than mine. I don't know tranche or tranche. I don't speak okay. yet crazy. I mean, I like French food, but tranche. Yes. You practiced that before tranche. you came in here. You thought it was tranche, too. You have no, I didn't. Flat. I, I've been saying tranche since January of 2020. Yeah, that's because... That's how Timmy knows it's tranche. <laughs> he hears me say it every five minutes. Yeah, how do I know anything else about that? <laughs> yeah. I have that very flat, nasally Chicago Cook County accent, so tranche it is. Right. Tranche! Uh, right? You want that I should Over check there. under the hood? 
Um, so, okay. Anything regarding if piff else that we should I, talk about? I, I think I think we're uh, we're again we're still on track, and I can't say enough good things about uh, the five employees. And we're you know uh, George Schick from Orland is one of the trustees, and he you know defined our slogan as mean and lean. Yeah. So um, that, that's one of the reasons why we did this is to reduce the costs of our 296 different funds and the fees. Um, so I, it's going going as well as we could be expect. Good, fantastic. Any yeah. uh, personnel change? There was just an election on the from the employer representatives, as I recall. That is correct. Um, John Perry, who is a trustee for the Lyle Woodridge Fire Protection District, he's actually a treasurer of their. Board of Trustees. Okay, um, was elected mm, probably two months ago now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so Good. he's the newest member. Um, let's shift a little bit and talk about um some political stuff or some things that are going on in Springfield and or about to go on in Springfield, um, etc. So. Um, I think you guys are getting into the endorsement period for individuals for the new election season coming up. Right. This, it's such a, a strange, not strange, it happens every 10 years, the, uh, they redraw the maps based on the census. Right. Um, and then, you know, they try to... The Game of Thrones ensure, begins. Right. That the population, you know, reflects um, the different districts. And there's 118 state representatives and 59 state senators and currently there's a map that's been passed by the general assembly and the governor has signed it however there's litigation i'm telling you what i I can't believe how many different avenues attorneys they just glob on to literally so you can't everything you can't feed us after midnight covid i know we're going to briefly talk about covid maybe not the only good thing of COVID is that attorneys are making an ass load of money. Oh my God. It's unbelievable. Christ. Right? Hun, Christ. Hun, where do you want to go for Christmas this year? Right? Rome or Christ. Australia? What do you want to do? Craziness. You just went to Africa. I mean, <laughs> it was, yeah, just came back from Africa. It was amazing. I don't know why I came back, but I did. Right. So, so it, because of that um, and the timeliness of, during COVID, the census was kind of delayed. Um, so the map was somewhat delayed, and they moved the, um, which is typically in February, March, the primary, they'd move that to June. Right. So we are in the process now, we have a candidate questionnaire uh, for each of the candidates that are running, and we have a very detailed process that we go through. And I just want to reiterate, and I know I, take every opportunity that I can that um, I don't think anyone would argue either at this table or listening, um, you know, worldwide because we are worldwide prestige worldwide. We've been heard in Belgium. Yeah. That Belgium um, is the end all be all of podcasts, by the way. Right. But go ahead. The, uh, the politics of today, especially in the United States is, um, is extreme on, on both sides. And uh, again, I don't think anybody would argue that. The beauty um, of us as an organization, when I say us, the AFFI, is that we have never, ever uh, determined our endorsements of candidates on anything other than what we do as a profession and you know how we take care of our health and safety of our members and uh, their retirement security and their family security. 
So uh, Jeff, Richard, and Steve, our legislative team, have really you know, adopted the mantra of, you know, we're focused on the firefighter agenda. That's it. Um, you are going to get a list from us at some point prior to the primary of individuals that we have uh, vetted and again, that's a very lengthy, it's probably like 10 or 12 steps that we go through to arrive at uh, a decision on who we're going to endorse. That list of candidates that you're going to receive is 75 to 100% of the time going to vote on issues that are favorable for you, your career, your livelihood, your work comp protections, and your retirement security and your family security. We have no interest in um, abortion, guns, um, religion, yeah, all of the social issues, if you will. And that's all it was impressed upon me, uh, especially when I started going, um, you know, to AFFI legislative conferences. And Harold Shapeberger, our former IFF president, would always say, this is the list you're going to get, you know, again, based on your career and your, and your, and your retirement security, et cetera. What you do in the voting booth is entirely, obviously, that's a, a, a fundamental American right. You can choose whoever you want to choose. You're also, if you belong to the Knights of Columbus, you're going to get a list from them. If you belong to a Planned Parenthood Association, you're going to get a list from them. If you, get, if you belong to the NRA, they're going to provide you a list. The bourbon drinkers of right. America. So all we're saying is if your career, your livelihood, your family's retirement security is important to you, then these are the individuals that most likely will support us as firefighters um, going forward. Regardless of party. Regardless of party. Are there a lot of this? I don't know this. Are there a lot of open seats coming up or we just have to see how the redistricting shakes out? Like, yeah, how, it's what's so, going to happen? It's so fluid right now in that, uh, you know, several different maps have been, uh, submitted during litigation. The final map um, that was approved by the governor mm, recently. Which may still become the final it map. Could, yeah. right. It does pit, you know, some incumbents against each other. And um, we're, we're waiting for that, you know, for probably this, who knows what court to determine, you know, what the actual final map is going to look like. Right. So, um, you know, individuals are calling us nonstop asking, you know, for our support and we kindly just provide them a candidate questionnaire and, and relay to them that, you know, we're, we're waiting for the, for the final, for the final map. Um, but we're, again, it's, it's painstaking sometimes. Um, and each local president will, will get an email soon. Um, asking, you know, if they or any of their members have any input on any of the uh, candidates that are seeking office uh, in Springfield. So okay. that's where we're at on that. And where what the final result of when you are able to um, be, well, let me ask you this. I know that you hear the numbers, but the success rate of individuals that we support Versus the individuals that ultimately get elected is what? I think we have a... Yeah, it's all over 90. Yeah. 90 Probably plus closer percent. to 95%. Right. So approximately yeah. 95% of the individuals that we endorse of either party are eventually elected. Yes. And I would um, 
task any one of our members to compare our union endorsements to perhaps other unions endorsements and see just you know the how that stacks up right and so that ladies and germs directly translates into legislation that comes out of springfield that is directly beneficial and and us and impacts our lives in a positive manner and one of the things i'd like to talk about is commonly referred to as the supervisor's bill if we could just generally talk there's going to be other stuff that's going to come out on this later on but at the end of the day generally speaking what happened regarding 220 yeah, so I'm actually proud to report that our legislative committee um, was able to pass it through the House in April of this year. Right. And then uh, most recently, at the end of October, it passed the Senate. So it passed both chambers, and as recently as yesterday, so it was a recording, yesterday was? November 22nd. November 22nd, it was transmitted to the governor's office. So he now has 60 days to sign it. Uh, veto it or do nothing at all. If he does nothing at all, then it becomes law. So uh, as I sit here today, I anticipate that he will sign it. Um, and then just as a refresher, because I know we've talked about this a, a couple of times, um, and Jerry and, and Margaret have been super helpful throughout this whole process that, um, and again, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but there is a three-part test. And Jerry, just tell me to shut up and say you're an idiot and you're not an attorney. You're a legend. There is a three-part, I'm sorry, let's start from the beginning. In Illinois, you are either a supervisor or a public employee. And there is a a traditional test, if you will, that consists of 11 different factors factors to determine whether or not you're a supervisor and are exempt from a collective bargaining. Or managerial, or you're a confidential employee, etc. Okay. Or you're just a Public Regular schmo. Correct. Um, that's part one of the test. That's for every employee. In the firefighting world, there's a second part, and that is that the fire chief can unilaterally say that uh, the rank immediately below him or her is automatically exempt from collective bargaining. Right. And they can be as, they could have 35 deputy chiefs if you wanted right. to, and they're right. all exempt. They rank immediately it's, below. It's his helper. Right. The third test that firefighters have to deal with, um, unlike our police, do they have a three-part test? I think they have something about... It's, uh, it's some, some, yeah, somewhat similar. similar. Regardless, firefighters then have a third test, and if you're h- higher than a company officer, then you right. are exempt. So um, we thought that Actually, the, the term, the phrase, the highest company officer is in state statute currently. That so was if the there's problem. there's a highest company officer, there must be a lower company officer. You would think. Um, so we sought to further define what the highest company officer is. Well, the, yeah. I mean, there was a series of decisions that, and you guys tell me you did it, but there was a series of decisions that really define company officers, that single company officer. So you're the, you know, running an engine or a truck company or a squad or something. And Correct. I think you guys saw the need based on the series of decisions that that wasn't right for individuals who are multiple company officers and exactly. hence ran the bill. Right. So essentially the bill just further defines what a company officer is and it could be responsible for multiple fire apparatus, multiple stations right. or an entire shift. 
Right. And that, that's essentially what it does. So it, right. it further defines that. Um, some of our opponents would tell you that we should use, and this is hilarious, we should use the NFPA definition of company officer. <laughs> so I, I don't know about you, but NFPA 1710, we could follow that as well. Sure. So they, they cherry pick what they would and like to sure use. Sure, they could follow NFPA in terms of when they have to replace gear and gear inspections to make sure guys aren't going into burning buildings at 19-year-old gear, but different story for a different day. Exactly. So it, it, two Big champions, uh, Larry Walsh, the state representative, carried it for us in the House. And in the Senate, it was Tom Cullerton. Yes. So, uh, and we had a number of different co-sponsors. It was a uh, bipartisan support. So, again, we expect the uh, governor to sign it. On December 8th, our AFFI vice presidents, along with Luke and myself and Margaret and perhaps Me. Jerry and others, yes, um, are having a powwow meeting. I'm looking forward to, to it. determine uh, strategy on how to go forward um, if and when this bill does go into effect. Um, just again, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but just strategize and, and see how we can uh, how this best works prepare. for us. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so in this environment. Really what we're saying is, I mean, and not, I mean, I guess like, I don't want to annoy myself, but I mean, at the end of the day, you can't, which I can, I can do all the time. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm even annoying myself, but you know, it, 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 it's worth repeating that um, being involved politically translated into the ability to see a problem and fix it, which in this political climate is going to allow more individuals the opportunity to organize lawfully. And that there's something to be said for that. That is, that is really an amazing thing to do. Um, because look, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of times your battalions or captains or shift commanders, whatever they are, um, are squeezed. It's not an easy position to be in that type of like, upper middle management or something like that, sure. I would say. So um, to allow... There are many times when, you know, our lieutenants or captains are making far more than a battalion chief. Correct. You know, whether it's overtime or... Yes, correct. Et cetera. So, so it, it, it's an opportunity um, for those individuals. And so it's it's an incredible thing that is only able to be done because of the relationships you have and the yes votes that you can get, right? That so, is correct. Um, good. All right. Anything else about the battalion bill? Nope. As soon as it is signed, we will uh, have a blast email. And again, we're, we're going to discuss in early, early December um, how best to strategize and our vice presidents will be in contact cool. with various local presidents. Um, well, in order to become a battalion chief, you have to be hired. Bingo. <laughs> and uh, it comes it's kind of a threshold there. Mm -hmm. uh, and we are seeing, just so everybody's aware, I'm getting phone calls all day long. It's one of the things that we wanted to talk about. Um, you know, there are, there is a statewide hiring issue. It is not, uh, just one particular region or a, a cluster of locals. Um, but you know, this is a, here's what I think. I think this is a particularly difficult job, especially in this environment. And in my 22 years on, it is extraordinary how much the job has changed and how much our guys are being asked to do 
every single shift. I see it with my guys and it is remarkable the job that these people are doing, but it's a hard job and there's not a lot of sleep and there is a lot of being exposed to uh, whether it's a fire and it's literally a low oxygen environment or exposures to things that uh, people might have to contact the aforementioned fire peer support. So what we're tasked to do and what we see and do is remarkable. Uh, and I think that translates into people, um, you know, maybe wanting to go into other areas. I don't know, Luke, if you, you know, I, what, what do we think? Yeah. So one of the topics we really want to hit on today, and I'd say it's been going on a couple of years now, we've started to have this conversation about lack of applicants for testing and hiring issues and it and it is legitimately across the state it is across the state and what's interesting about this in fall of 2019 we were in minneapolis for uh, an IFF meeting Lucy. um those are goddamn these good. are very good those are very good um and that's with all the other state presidents and state officers uh the iff has them usually twice a year and one of the other state officers, I forget which state he was from, but he, he brought up, hey, are you guys having trouble with hiring? Like, there's not as many people out testing anymore and all this. And I, I, I vividly remember him saying it, but didn't think a ton of it. But then now you look here in Illinois over the last couple of years, and it's really it, it really is a problem right it's now. It's remarkable. And uh, places are struggling. There's places that had zero people to turn out for their test. Uh, there's some places that only have two or three people on yeah, their I list. Ju I just had a local, I think four people showed up for the, the test. Yeah. And I, and really I think it's like multifaceted, um, on the FFI level, we're looking at a few different things, like how we can, you know, maybe assist a little bit, you know, but at the end of the day, the hiring comes up from the employer side of things, right. but it, it does matter that we still are able to grow our membership and have quality, uh, brothers and sisters on the line with us. But yeah, I think just in the conversations we've had, we addressed this at legislative conference also. Uh, Margaret brought it up. But I, I think it's a multifaceted issue, and it's just kind of coming together all at once. Yeah. You know, it, it is kind of hitting ahead. I mean, it, it, I think it's really easy to think, you know, sometimes, and I've heard, you know, other members at conferences or just in conversations or bargaining or, you know, whatever in passing about, like, my, you know, look, it's these are fair wages and fair benefits, and, like, what do you, I mean, what more do people want, et cetera, but... You, know, you have to remember, though, that, again, I mean, everybody in this room has a few years on. I mean, it is remarkable how the job has changed. And, you know, you're getting some, you know, younger guys that are like, well, you know, I can go get my ass kicked and not sleep for God knows how long. Or, you know, I don't know, go into this maybe career. So it's a hard job and, and it demands a lot of uh, hard work. Um, and that's why we deserve the wages and benefits that we have. So. I know that you guys have been actively working on stuff and whether that's a topic for a different episode or, you know, I don't, I don't know, but it is recognized, I think, at the AFFI level. Is that fair to say? It certainly is. Yeah. And just to, to reiterate what Luke just said, it, it is nationwide. Uh, if you just Google, you know, especially in the volunteer, I mean, they're even worse than, than career. But right. when you have zero people testing at a full-time fire department, that that's an issue. And and, and Luke brought up, you know, the, the point at the state Fed meeting, uh, Margaret actually brought it up to us. And I would even, uh, I would even make the opinion that in, look, many local governments were already suffering financially, 
due to, uh, I don't know, underfunding their pensions. Sure. And then the crisis of, you know, the Great Recession, the greatest recession since the Great Depression in 2008, 2009, there were hiring freezes. Uh, local governments, you know, quit buying fire equipment. Um, and then, you know, a lot of guys left. So there was a, a window there where there was just no one being hired. Um, I actually have the stats. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe. Everybody remember, this is a dramatic So interlude. this is from the Department of Insurance. I thought it was kind of interesting, actually. And this See, is- tranche, everybody saw the 80. What's insurance? It's insurance. <laughs> everybody saw the 80. All the time. I go down there, I'm in Collinsville, and they're like, we got to bargain this insurance down here, insurance. you know? <laughs> this is kind of interesting, actually. Um, this is from the Department of Insurance. It came out, I think, in October. And it in 20... 20- 16. It's a good year. Bear with me here. It's a good year. You can write these down, Jerry. In 2016, there were 7,250 active tier one participants. Wow. And 1,921 tier two participants. In 2020, the latest records, there were 5,733 tier one participants and 3,514 Tier 2 participants. So in four years, we've actually added, there's been an additional 76 new firefighter, new positions. Yeah, as you're leaving and as you're, yeah. Um, But some of those could be, you know, a fire chief from Wisconsin comes in, and now he's a Tier 2 member. He's a a brand new Tier 2 member. Given those numbers, you're basically flat. Correct. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're not growing, obviously. And as you alluded to, like this job, if you think we just fight fires, and I'm saying this, obviously not for our membership, but for those the people in Belgium who are fans. Right. If you think that we just fight fires, like you're living in the 1960s, um, the amount of medical calls and the the continuing education required of our members just to do that, just that hazmat and TRT. Yeah. You they expect you to be a chemist. Um, you know, when you go on an anhydrous ammonia leak, um, not to mention that, you know, know as though, as this every month, there's something new, um, whether it's the solar panels in a roof and whether or not electric vehicles, the hybrid vehicles, exactly. Just the number of things that we are required to do. Um, and everybody's going to call 911 and expect you to show up whether your kid is stuck in a swing set or whether there's a windmill on fire on I-55. Did you see those things? If there's a windmill on fire, I'd shit my pants if I had to go deal with those things. So it's definitely a a difficult job, but in the same breath, you know, as our members that are listening know, it's a a rewarding job. And, uh, you know, we think we have a pretty decent benefit package um, brought to you by the General Assembly. Yes. um, People that we vote for and elect to office. and we're still way better. I mean, look at the challenges that the police are having, right? Sure. I mean, I mean, we're talking the last five minutes or so about our hiring challenges. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just right no one at this point in time. I don't. And our our job is not to debate the reasons why, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, the the facts are, man, they're worse off than we are, no doubt. Yeah. And as Luke mentioned, you know, we don't hire. Um, however, you know, we can be partners with our local governments. We can partner with the Illinois Municipal League to create public service announcements. Um, you know, we can possibly work on legislation. I don't know if you want to get into if there's a lateral hire approach 
a better approach. We don't have a lateral hiring, um, but that's, you know, a subject for, for another day. day. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just going to shift the issue around right at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, you know, Peoria's hiring. So they're going to take three guys from Kiwani. You see, so on the police side where there's lateral hiring, you see that. And and I see that in my, in my law practice uh, with my clients and there is a lot of, you know, Robin Peter to pay Paul. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got like departments with like signing bonuses and then there's issues of what step are they coming in on? And I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge lateral hires. I mean, it's, it's a short term fix. It's not this overall structural fix that we're looking for. Uh, But you know, I, some might argue whether or not it's a fix at all. Um, but yes, you can actually see where it would, it, it, it might be to the detriment of other departments, mm-hmm. uh, lateral hiring. It's so. definitely a concern. And, you know, we would speak to our 229,000. We just screw. Affiliate leaders. And just, you know, you should be out there. You know, if, you, if your fire department doesn't have a human relations committee, um, if your local doesn't have a human relations committee, of which, by the way, we just formed one yeah. um, about four or five months ago. Um, the HRC, you know, baby. You can be as active as you want to be. And you go, you know people in your communities that, that should be, would be well qualified or would be a good firefighter. I think so. it's going to come to that, right? Like, I mean, I think that, you know, locals should start you know, career day in high schools and stuff like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, if you're going to go to a four year and and major in engineering, that's wonderful. But if you're sitting there and you're like, ah, you know, I'm going to go to do a couple years of community college, see what I want to do. You might want to pick up a class or two somewhere because I think it starts in high school of getting people interested and fostering them coming to the firehouse and doing a ride along. Or Mm -hmm. I know departments that have like the cadet explorer programs and, you know, it's, I think it's going to take things like that to spark an interest and realize that people can do this job because it's scary. You know, the run numbers, the run volume, and I think you talked about it a couple minutes ago. It's not just running on structure fires and, you know what I mean? And, you know, it's the hydro, what was it? Hydrous ammonia? And hydrous. Where'd you come up with that? I'm not good at any of that. I'm good at like structure fires and shootings and vehicle accidents. That's all I got. I don't have any other skills. What is anhydrous ammonia besides icky bad stuff? That. You're in, <laughs> can totally tell you're from inner city. <laughs> yeah, we don't have any anhydrous ammonia. Got to live on a farm. The farmers got to go down the field south of I eighty. Prop oh. the fields. Yeah. yeah. Well, if I got injured, would I qualify for insurance? <laughs> <laughs> you would. Well, maybe insurance. not. If one particular <laughs> ordinance had its way, I am the best. At like changing top, do you know? Do you know how smooth that was? That I just get it. Like change topics like that. That was remarkably smooth to go from that right into the Peoria Pacific. Is that called a segue? I'm the greatest segue segwayer. I should come in on a goddamn segue. I should drive around the office with my segue and stop in front of Margaret's office. Beep beep. That'd be good. They gave me a safety vest. Um, for like, you know, if we have to evacuate the, the building office? at the office, like the building tenant people so, so and I wear my safety vest just around the office. So you're like a people. hall monitor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the hall monitor. Then I was really sad because they gave other people safety vests too in our office. So I wasn't the only one. I wasn't special. I bet he was a hall monitor at Fenwick. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. How fast could I get to 5600 West Cermak Road right. to go hang out with my friends? Well, if I could... If you're going to talk about 
I think in, we talk insurance. insurance. Again, not for our membership, but for listeners that aren't firefighters or firefighters that aren't firefighters in Illinois, I think it's important because we're going to talk about the Public Safety Employee Benefit Act. Yes. And contrary to popular belief, local government firefighters in Illinois, when they retire, they don't have free or you know greatly reduced or inexpensive health insurance just given right. to them. Uh, and I, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, contra- again, that's contrary to popular belief because there are state employees and there are state university employees that have you know phenomenal health insurance when they retire. Post-retiree health care. Yeah. Correct. That's not us. Firefighters do not have that. Not until 1997 did the General Assembly actually recognize that. And um, if a firefighter or a police officer or a corrections worker is catastrophically injured or killed in the line of duty that um, the state of Illinois recognized that the health insurance should be paid for the injured firefighter or if killed, or I'm sorry, the the entire family, whether injured or killed. Um, That was passed in 2007 uh, with the encouragement of the AFFI. It was an AFFI initiative from 2000... 1997. From 1997 until about 2003, when uh, Crowey, a Bloomington firefighter, uh, fell in a ravine on the interstate, injured his back, and was catastrophically injured, that case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the uh, Supreme Court further defined, or actually listened to the debate on the floor, and then construed? Is that the right word? Yeah, just a a judicial construction that catastrophically injured in the statute means line of duty disability. Correct. And must be or reasonably reasonably believed to be on an emergency. For firefighters. For yes. Firefighters. Reasonably responding to what's reasonably believed to be an emergency. Gotcha. So now fast forward um, to as recently as November 16th, where the famous Jerry Marzullo. Legend. Not the chief Marzullo. No. The attorney, Jerry That's right. Marzullo. He's infamous. I'm famous. Um, there was a period of time, and we were debating back and forth. It was 2018 or 2019, where the Illinois Municipal League thought, after numerous attempts that Jerry's going to discuss here in a minute, of trying to change the definition, um, they thought that they could use their home rule powers to, in fact, skirt um, or narrow the eligibility for our firefighters, police officers, and correctional workers to be eligible for placebo. Jerry and Local 50 uh, have done a phenomenal job thus far, and it's taken, like, I thought it was 2018. What do you say it's 2019? Yeah, somewhere in, like, 19. It's been a while. That they fought the ordinance um, every single step of the way, and I'm going to let Jerry describe further. I don't want to steal any of his thunder whatsoever. But it, it, it culminated November 16th with Jerry Marzullo representing, I say Local 50, but he represented every single full-time firefighter, police officer, and corrections worker in the state of Illinois when he argued in front of the Supreme Court. Um, and if you haven't seen it, uh, I don't know if it's on our website or not. I know an email was blasted out to each local president. Yeah, and you could, it's on the Illinois Supreme Court website. Okay. Um, you should watch it. it it's informative. 
Uh, Jerry did a phenomenal job representing uh, the AFFI and again, every single police officer and correctional worker in the state of Illinois. And um, I, I was very honestly, and I'm not trying to jag you off. I was very like proud to be an AFFI member and listen Aww. to you like just articulate and inform the Supreme Court of Illinois, um, you know, how much this placebo um, means to us. So if you would um, please share your... Well, first, I got to... Phenomenal job. Even a broken clock's right twice a day. (laughs) Um, You know, first, thank you to local... 50 Peoria uh, for um, having the faith in me to be their counsel. Uh, you know, it's a big, old, storied local, and it was really, it's really been something. We've had some pretty good victories down there over the last few years on all topics. But yeah, I mean, Peoria was like, well, this ordinance is bullshit, and we're going to have at it. So, um, you know, the, the, the Peoria ordinance was a, um, a model ordinance introduced by, uh, well, or discussed by some employer groups uh, as to, um, in my opinion, a way to get around placebo in the last 20 years of, of, of case law and history here. Um, and it was adopted by a few municipalities, um, Peoria being one of them, and so Local 50 um, um, sued. Um, and what the ordinance does uh, is severely reduce. And when I mean severely, I mean like it's severely, like maybe like a little sliver of our population would qualify for the healthcare benefits if you are catastrophically injured responding to an emergency. Uh, and it would just kind of rewrite these, these rules of, of how we've been operating for 20 years. Um, and uh, when the ordinance was passed, it completely redefined what catastrophic injury means. And it added, uh, um, you know, gainful work and new requirements and work requirements. It was just, it was just, it, it extraordinarily restrictive. And um, so we sued in the circuit court and won. Uh, The judge found that that was an impermissible use of of home rule. Um, The city of Peoria appealed um, and their allies appealed. uh, And we won in the appellate court in a reported decision uh, down there. And then obviously now we are in front of the the Illinois Supreme Court. Um, And I think we were talking about this beforehand. When was the last time a firefighter, uh, we were in front of the Supreme Court? I think think it was Paseba in 2003. Yeah, it was Paseba in 2003. So that's, I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but it's pretty cool, right? Like it's kind of coming full, you know, it's the last time in 03. And and I'm really honored that I was kind of given the football to run with in in 2021. So the ordinance was, really the question is whether or not a municipality had the home rule authority to completely rewrite this ordinance. And when I, and again, I, I can't, I cannot um, stress this enough of just how restrictive the ordinance is. I mean, basically at the end of the day, if you were had no use of your arms and legs and could like use your you know technology with your eyes to type um you, you could can. you yeah. which you can yeah. in today's day and age you most likely would not qualify for placebo healthcare benefits under the you statute would, could I mean, be was, gainfully employed you could be gainfully employed i mean it was just a way of of in my opinion overruling placebo um without overruling placebo in the state legislature, right? I mean, that's really that's really what we were talking about. Um, and, you know, so it was really, it was, it was 
it was really different. I'll tell you like a super embarrassing story. Uh So this is really amazing. So my lovely bride, the, the wonderful, beautiful, yet deliciously evil Miss V, uh, she takes the day off from the uh, uh, police department and she comes down with me um, to watch the argument. Cause this is, you know, a vast majority of their lawyers in their career will never argue from the Supreme court. Like this is really right. cool. So she comes down with me. So we're walking up the steps. She takes a photo of me and the Supreme court marshal comes out and he's got the clipboard. He's the, mar- one of the marshals of the court. And he asks, you know, are you arguing today? And I almost, you know, I'm trying not to throw up. Yes, I am. And he's asking for our names. And I swear to God, I give her maiden name when Did I introduce really? her. It so just, it just rolled off. I your don't tongue. know. It just popped out of my head. Like I gave my name and then I gave her maiden name. And we've been married six years, right? <laughs> I just gave her maiden. And so like the marshal's looking at me and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry. It's Marcelo, you know. So she's just like, what? What the fuck? What's you know Where's what I mean? your head? Where's your head at? <laughs> Right. It was fantastic, but I had like the uh, the uh, Will Ferrell old school moment and locked it up mm-hmm. uh, in front of the court. And it, I think that I think I would say that local fifties argument, I in my opinion, was well received by the court. And the justices are, you know, really smart and they are good and they ask like very insightful questions and they like understand they are well informed and they read the briefs. Not only do they read the briefs, but then the clerk summarize the briefs for them and they will just hammer you with questions. And, and I didn't, I, I think we have a very good argument. I, I, I wasn't asked too many questions in there and, 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 um, but they get it, man. And they're also, I was telling, telling Chuck beforehand, they're very close to you. It's like a smaller, it's like a, 20, you know, 19th century buildings. Like you look up and there's like seven. It's intimidating. It has to be intimidating. Oh, like regardless if you've there been there 15 times or the first time. Yeah, it's like, great. Like they got the black robes and they're like looking down at you and there's like seven sets of eyeballs and you know, like in your head, they're like, you're, 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 I'm screwing this whole goddamn thing up and they think I'm stupid and I'm going to cry, you know? So like they, it was, it was awesome. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I hope that we get a positive ruling and when we do, I, I do have to say I won't feel too bad because um, this ordinance was was absurd. And to sit there and say that a firefighter, and this was the example. So again, you can go to the Illinois Supreme Court website. You can download it. It's, it's IFF Local 15 City of Peoria. You can search by date, like November 16th of 2021. You can find it. But, you know, to sit there and say that you can have a truck company go to the roof. And, and for all of our fire geeks out there, Oak Park just had a massive like Delia's Kitchen on Madison like lit up today. Like you could see that it was on WGN. It's it's rolling, and to sit there and say that you could have a firefighter on that roof and that roof's going to collapse. That truck company is going to go through the roof and be as catastrophically injured as possible, but not qualify for healthcare benefits for themselves or their family for the remainder of their life. It's absurd, and in this, it is. It is. I, I will say this: it's embarrassing that you would have uh, employers try to do something like that. I think, in my opinion, mm-hmm. as, 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 you know, you don't, you try not to be mean about it, but it's embarrassing. Like really, I got, you know, some guy that's going to fall through a roof, get run over by a car on an accident scene, and, but he's gainfully employed. So uh, he's not going to qualify. And you mentioned it in your argument that uh, two weeks from now, you know, Berwyn 
based on a political whim, could change the ordinance. Oh, yeah. I mean, every two weeks, three years from now, whatever. Different mayor. You mentioned that. Yeah. 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 I mean, what happens if you like the guy that qualified (laughs) for placebo? You could change, you can, at the next meeting, next Tuesday, you could change the ordinance that this guy would qualify. And then the next guy comes up and you hate him and he's been a thorn in your side, a.k.a. union president for a number of years. And then you could change the benefits so that that person wouldn't qualify. I mean, come on, what what are we doing here? So, well, and the other part of your argument was too is one community to the next could have right. something totally different because they're making their own ordinance. Correct? correct. So, you know, your example you brought up in your argument was, you know, Bur- and Cicero. Yeah, you know, DeKalb and Sycamore. Yeah, two different towns and you're on a roof and same exact scenario happens and one set of guys gets the benefit and the other doesn't. Yes. You know, and then again, like like Chuck was saying, three years later, the political whims. So now Sycamore likes their firemen and, and, and DeKalb doesn't. And now it's the same set of facts and circumstances. And now these guys get the placebo and these guys, these guys don't. So there's all sorts of like questions of home rule. And, and you know, it's, it was just a, it was a it was an interesting experience. But, yeah, I mean, you you feel pressure when there's 50,000 police, fire and correctional workers that mm-hmm. are like this ruling. Sure. That's, yeah. you know, that will cause you to, like, give your wife's maiden name, like, a <laughs> right. total ass hat. I still can't believe you're here today. Yeah, I, I can't right. believe you even made it through the door. Like, who is going to argue that case? <laughs> Why'd she even go in with you? <laughs> she just, that poor, because she just looks at me and just stares and shakes her head. And that's when she just starts making, like, my ties for herself. So it is, it is what it is. Well, but it was it was an incredible experience, and it was it's really cool to represent a firefighter local in front of the, in front of the PR, especially with something that that's so consequential. And ch- I just want to just tell you guys what the dedicated leader you have is that Chuck, on a few and far between, well deserved vacation at an all inclusive watched the oral argument take place you you did, did. now you you're in a, a wonderful you know by the sea so i don't know if you sure. remember any of it but no, you I, did every last second of it <laughs> it was it riveting was you're in your speedo truly so yes yes you're in your speedo yeah. uh but yeah i mean i think it was just to kind of see the process go online and and, and check it out i do want to say though what made it really uh what there's so much work that goes into it um, my associate, uh, Joe Weishampel was integral in writing first drafts of the briefs. He was amazing. Um, I would say that Amanda Clark and Matt Pierce and Joe and Margaret, um, there was there, we do a lot of moot court. So there's a lot of like, you know, like prep work, mm-hmm. um, and the firm's just incredible. And they will take the first couple drafts of your oral argument and like tear it to pieces That's cool. and ask you really also incredible and insightful and intelligent questions. So, you know, they, they hammer on you and you're like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I should stress that more. Maybe this needs to change. And so there's this whole process that goes into, you know, the final 20 minutes where you get to look like the hero in front of the Illinois Supreme court, but all of these individuals like, you know, Amanda and I mean, people, mm-hmm. I, I guess what I would say not to, not to sound like an infomercial, but I don't think that locals are realize how lucky they are to have a Matt and Amanda and Margaret, and, mm. you know, the, the, the support staff that, you know, the, the associates that it's, it's awesome. Sure. Cause it makes you look good up there. But, right. uh, so ruling like four or five months from now, um, we'll see what happens, man. You know, how many cases were heard that day? Three. Wow. I was the middle case of three cases. 
And so, you mentioned earlier on off the air that you actually have a, a red, green, or green, oh, yeah. red light. That you, you have the, the you, yellow and red. Minutes? How yeah. long did you have? You have 20 minutes. 20 minutes. And then like Justice Burke, she will look at, she will stare through you with those piercing eyes. And Justice Burke is like, I'm going to need you to wrap up now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you and then Peoria got the opportunity to speak again. Again. They had a reply, yeah, of about okay. 10 minutes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 20 minutes for the uh, uh, city of Peoria, 20 minutes for us, 10 minutes for the reply, and it, it goes really quick, and it was it's a hell of an experience, man. So, we'll see. I hope I Did can bring home bring a winner. Did you bring your own um, cover for the microphone? They or? give you the cover. Oh, the, okay. the, the clerk of the court gives you the cover and says, you will put this microphone cover on. And then am I like, you know, I'm going to forget it. Then I'm going to drop it. I'm going to trip as I'm walking from the table and I'm not going to, or it's going to make like this sound, you know, it's going to be like, like, you know what I mean? I'm going to have a breakdown. Yeah, that's the usual. I was I glad. You did great. I was glad when I was watching it when you took your mask off. You had shaved that horrible mustache. I oh, did. Yeah, yes. I got rid of the mustache. Yeah, who gave you that advice? The sideburns were severely chopped, bad, chopped yep. and back. I was your like, wife, I can't. Your wife fixed she that. She actually for you? did. She did. She's like Jerry. Good woman. You you know, look, it's okay for you to look like a complete asshole normally. <laughs> But if you could just lock it up on behalf of tens of thousands of us, that would be great. God so, bless her. Yeah, God bless her. Strong work, so, brother. Um, speaking also of strong work is uh, I mentioned uh, Margaret and Matt uh, did a fantastic job in Mattoon regarding the Substitutes Act. That's also a uh, decision that came out. And I'm so sorry. It's been late in the day. I think it was a Rule 23. So it's an unpublished decision. Uh, but if for any, all of you in the know, you are aware that um, there's been some serious battles down with the IFF Mattoon local. I don't know how they, they call it, Mattoon down there. I don't know. I think it's Mattoon. I say Mattoon. Yeah, of course. I go. I would go with Chuck. I would go with Chuck. He's from that area, south of I. Yeah, Mattoon. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's convincing. You're welcome, Mattoon. Uh, so there's been some serious battles regarding the Substitutes Act down there, and I think Matt and Margaret did a fantastic job, and the appellate court uh, did uphold. Uh, we can You can get into all sorts of procedural issues, et cetera, but basically at the end of the day, um, the city did violate the Substitutes Act down there, uh, which they did, and those guys did a fantastic job, and it's an uh, unpublished decision, and you should be aware of it. And I then got to terrorize Matt Pierce when he did his oral argument in front of the uh, appellate court so we, when we did the moot court. So I got him first, and then he got me afterwards. Um, so that's fantastic. Uh, and I think the last thing I want to talk about, either legislatively or bargaining-wise, uh, was another one that I was fortunate enough to be involved in, which was the brand-new contract for Schiller Park, 5230. Um, you guys were both involved in that, uh, to a degree. And that was, um, a nitro fueled rocket filled shit show at times. And you realize just how much work goes into getting a contract, especially a first contract. And, uh, I think everybody did uh, you, uh, Luke, uh, tuna, uh, you know, Adam over there, vice president, Mike, you know, Maletta, um, those guys really fought, um, a good fight. They fought and stood up for themselves and wanted a really good first contract. And I would suggest 
that their first contract is outstanding. I was glad to be a part of it and honored to be a part of it to get them the first contract. I would put their first contract up against many, many, many collective bargaining agreements in the state of Illinois. They were very good. And actually, at the end, what was really good, I have to say, I think for those locals out there that want, that think that everything needs to be a television show, dog and pony show fight, uh, at the end, when we wanted to get this deal done, they have a fantastic fire chief. He is a mm-hmm. wonderful guy. Uh, the mayor sat in on the last several, uh, Mayor Kaifa, he sat in on the last several negotiations. He was really cool and understanding and receptive. He was tough. He wasn't going to like give you, he was like, dude, there's certain things I got to have. But it really, you know, there's times that were very tense and a lot of back and forth. But just to show you that when parties can get into a room and have a conversation, um, you know, these guys should support their mayor and their fire chief is just a, a wonderful human being. He's a great guy. Hey, you get to the word collectively bargain, right? You At get the end to of the day. You yes. Know, and That's very well said. Collectively worked out, bargain. Worked out well for him. And yes, we've talked a little bit. We might do an episode here sooner or later on you know, new locals, like what to expect and what they've gone through. And, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, we've mentioned them, and I think uh, they'll appreciate hearing their name on the That was a two-year, that was going, man. That was something, but they fought for it, and it was really cool. But but Luke slash Timothy was amazing. Uh, Chuck helped out anytime we needed him. Uh, Tuna was there. Uh, the local board, those guys were great. Like I said, and, and you do realize just how much work it takes on everybody's part to uh, to get it right. So, cool. Good stuff. What else do we need to discuss? I have a quick text from Executive Director Atwood. Boom, on the scene. Uh, concerning the litigation. The last hearing was on November 10th. The judge asked for more documents to be filed by November 18th, which we did. And there are no future hearings scheduled. Mayor Brown, our attorney, thinks that he will rule late November, early December. Okay. Um, Then concerning the certified asset lists for the December tranche, um, in the absence of any court decision on the merits, we can continue with the transition process. Okay. So judge asked for more docs on November 10th, the 18th. They were due. They they were due. And he's going to make a ruling. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tell you what, man, judge is trying to get it right. Right. I mean, but either way, he knows it's going to be appealed. That This judge knows absolutely. it's going to be appealed. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, with a question like that, right. uh, somebody will be arguing uh, back in front of those same aforementioned justices uh, sometime next year, I guess. I don't know. So, anything else in our poopery of things that we need to discuss? DJ Silent Hype, anything that we missed? No? All right. She thinks that we did a fantastic job. Um, I would say that I don't know. It's always weird like these. So hope, hope have a great Thanksgiving. I'm sure you had a great Thanksgiving. Like, I don't know how we. Well, you never know when people are going to listen to it. You never know. You know, they, they could listen to this one after the beginning of the year. Yeah, so happy you, 4th of July. Happy. Yeah. yeah we might as well May just <laughs> throw all the holidays in there. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Merry Christmas. White Sox opening happy day, March 31st. They just signed a great reliever today. Yeah. So there you go. But we'll be doing another episode here in a couple weeks. Yes. So we'll be pushing out a couple more episodes here before the end of the year to close out 2021. A and banner hopefully year. we look forward to a good 2022, I, I think. The, How about just a little bit more more of a quiet 2022? Nice. We could just, yeah. let's just, just, the, just let's take the, a year and slow yeah. things down. Just the 
the mundane collective bargaining. Just like have like a Barry White, Curtis Mayfield, smooth 2022. You know what I mean? Something like that. Just Say it a, one more time. Yeah. Say it. Smooth. Whoa. That, that just happened. Do you guys want to, two questions. Do you guys want to do like a karaoke episode where we sing like that? Also too, do you think we should take this on tour? I think we should just, we should do a tour with t-shirts. Like this date, this venue, this date, this venue, like the 2022 AFFI Roadshow. I'm just saying. Only at dive bars. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, like the local has to email us what they think is the shittiest bar in town and that's where we'll go and we'll do a live episode from there. So think of like, we've got with DJ silent hype, right? right? Yeah. We got to bring portable equipment. So bring portable equipment. It'll be like uh, the blues brothers. We got both kinds, country and Western. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First stop will be in Mattoon. Mattoon. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about insurance. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, my grease ball, like Chicago, I can't even, I have to shrug my shoulders up. Mattoon. I can't just say insurance. I have to be, I'm like insurance. Like I I never noticed I said that. Insurance. I I need the help to like physically get it out of my body. The air up. My shoulders come up. I can't say it normally. Whatever. Tranch. Tranch. God damn it. (laughs) That's it. I have the tranch is the last word of the day. And we're done. Trench. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> That's it.